Baseball isn't just numbers, numbers, numbers. This game is not being played on computers. You don't do that with a bunch of statistical gimmicks. You don't put a team together with a computer. We're talking weighted runs created plus. Expected Woba. Sweet spot rate. Defensive runs above average. Average exit velocity. Barrel rate. XFIP. BABIP. SIERA. We are above replacement radio. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball. Kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. Uh, it's spring training. Baseball is underway. College baseball is underway. Uh, next week, we will have spring training games underway. So baseball is back. I mean, there's no denying it right now. Well, the Super Bowl <laughs> did just end, so it is officially baseball season as and we... all and all the teams had their truck day yes yeah, so i mean that's that's all we need to know because because yeah i mean uh the super bowl ended so that's all that all that all i need to have in order for me to believe it's baseball season i'll turn on the tv i see i see a couple a, a couple pitchers throwing bullpens where they're maxing out at about 85 miles per hour not even the tv you you open twitter yeah yeah i'm 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 just yeah, I'm scrolling on my phone and it's like, okay, yep, it's definitely baseball season. I'm satisfied as a baseball fan right now. I'm in the Northeast. It snowed this weekend. It's 20 degrees out right now, but it's baseball season. It's so it's so back. I I, I yeah. feel it. I feel it in the air. It's uh, never been more back. Yeah, I feel it in the air with the leafless trees and whatnot. Um, but uh, but yeah. So because baseball season is because the MLB season is not really back, we still have a lot of things to uh, to get to. And today we have a um, little preview of the National League West with players to highlight and questions. And uh, and then after that, we will start the ARR top 50, uh, starting with players 50 through 41. And we'll get into kind of our near misses as well. Um, but yeah, you know, fun to start that. Uh, list off because yeah MLB Network is kind of in the middle of that uh, except yeah they obviously have uh, 100 players to talk about but yeah um, first bit of news and we don't really have to get into it but had we known this this would have shaken up our rankings a little bit um, at at least on the positional side but uh, apparently Xander Bogarts is being moved from shortstop to second base uh, for for Hassan Kim yeah, I mean, there is kind of a lot of lore that goes into this, especially with the two of us both being Red Sox fans, right? Xander Bogarts, you know, understandably didn't want to move from shortstop uh, when he was with the Red Sox. And, you know, they signed in Trevor Story. They made him go to second. Um, and Xander eventually left in free agency, although the Red Sox reportedly have, did not seem to make much of an effort to bring him back um, in terms of extending him. And... You know, I mean, I think a lot of people will look at this being like, oh, Xander didn't want to go to short or didn't go want to go to second, but now he's going to second a year into his contract. And, you know, I think Xander would still be a shortstop on most uh, most other teams. Uh, he just happens to share an infield with Hassan Kim, who is one of the best defensive infielders in the sport. I think he's probably the best defender that Bogarts has shared a middle infield with since Dustin Pedroia at the very least. So, um you know, he would be a shortstop on most other teams. And this is obviously a new manager coming in and Mike Schiltz, who, you know, is inheriting a situation and, and making it whatever he wants it to be. So uh, I think it's the right move when you take money and egos out of it. Um, but yeah, some some interesting positional shakeup early in spring training. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, it's part of why I found it interesting when the Padres went out and got him because, you know, they already, you could argue, you know, already had two shortstops, potentially three if you wanted to count. I was going to say, the, the Padres have you know. spent like a billion dollars on three shortstops and none of them play shortstop. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Manny Machado, uh, he's obviously a longtime third baseman, but he's had some time at short. Fernando Tatis Jr., they signed for 14 years as their franchise shortstop and then, uh, you know, moved him over to right. Now he's like the best defensive right fielder of all time. And then uh, and then Hassan Kim, who, you know, was a tremendous shortstop before they signed Bogarts. And, you know, they moved him over to second base and boom, he wins a gold glove. But um, actually, he was a utility gold glover, but still yeah. like, played. Both well, I mean, there you go. That's that shows. Yeah, only one. Yeah, because that's I mean, the the positional gold gloves is like you know it's very stuck but like utility gold glove i feel like there's a lot more competition there because you know you're not limited to only the people that play your position right right and uh you know with bogarts he's never been known for his defense but he made he did make like pretty tremendous improvement over the last two years uh he had five outs above average in 2022 and three outs above average in 2023 uh uh, defensive run saved was not as nice to him um this this past year uh they had him at five defensive runs saved for 2022 but negative four for 2023 um while Hassan Kim uh, at least outs above average wise um he had nine total outs above average last year with seven being at second base and uh, when he played shortstop a lot in 2022, he had eight outs above average, which obviously is higher than uh, Bogarts is at the any, anything Bogarts has had. Um, and I think just objectively, like even last year, I think people knew that Hassan Kim would probably be a better defensive option at short, but probably just didn't want to ruffle feathers with a guy who just came to the team. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, I feel like now that Xander's seen Hassan Kim for a year, he's probably like, yeah there um i think it's very funny uh imagine telling red sox fans going into 2019 that in five years mookie betts and xander bogarts would be playing second base for nls teams yeah <laughs> like this is this is all this is all gone this is all gone awry um <laughs> but uh but yeah like and and i i definitely agree with your point saying that you know i think people are gonna especially as a red sox fan you kind of want to feel a little bit of um a little bit of vengeance know, so, uh, of of solace or like just yeah um or like closure a little bit of closure thinking like okay maybe this maybe extending him wouldn't have been as good as we thought it would have been but granted like you i think i agree with you and you saying that he'd be a shortstop for most teams it's just like I think he ran into, you know, he runs into a juggernaut with Hassan Kim being also there. Like he's literally one of the best uh, defenders in the sport of baseball, uh, no matter what position he's playing in the infield. And yeah, like uh, when, when Hassan Kim was playing shortstop uh, in 2022, he had 10 defensive runs saved. Uh, he had 10 defensive runs saved as a second baseman last year. And then three is a third baseman and three is a shortstop. So like, it's just hard to beat. Um, and yeah, I mean, if he was on the Red Sox, he'd still probably, yeah, he'd still probably be playing short. Um, Trevor Story would probably still be at second base. So, um, but you know, 
I think it does provide a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe that's why the Red Sox didn't go as hard in negotiations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think that's kind of it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So speaking of the National League West, we will get into, into the Padres a little bit later. But, um, you know, as we always do start with the uh, division previews, uh, we will start with a team that was a uh, that was a cellar dweller last year and and the rockies were were one of the you know cellar dweller of all cellar dwellers it wasn't just oh they happened to be in a uh, in a tough division no they were they were pretty bad last year they were 59 and 103 their first and, 100 lost season as a franchise which is pretty crazy yes yes and they they look bound to repeat um they lost uh Brent Suter and Chris Flexen uh, they added Cal Quantrill, Dakota Hudson, and Jalen Beeks. Um, who is your player to watch from the Rockies? So I actually have two uh, Rockies player to watch players to watch. Um, famously, my my number one hit from last year was a Rocky, despite how bad the team was. Nolan Jones was definitely a beacon of hope for them, even though uh, the team decided to put him in AAA for the first two months of the season for no reason at all. Um, but my first of two Rockies to watch is Justin Lawrence, who is a relief pitcher for them and will probably serve as their closer uh, on the uh, you know occasional uh, happenings where they are up in the ninth inning. And uh, in 75 innings pitched last year, he had a 372 ERA and a 376 FIP. But I know that's not crazy, but you got to remember what team we're talking about here and what ballpark they play in. Away from Coors Field, he had a 162 ERA and a 335 FIP. That ERA was the eighth lowest among the 244 pitchers with at least 30 innings pitched on the road. And his most commonly used pitch was his sinker at 51.3%. So he pretty evenly uses his sinker and slider, but his sinker he did use a little bit more. And very famously, you're not supposed to throw sinkers at Coors Field because they don't work. Um... At Coors Field, opponents hit 471 and slugged 700 against his sinker. There was also a 348 expected batting average and a 524 expected slugging. And on the road, opponents hit 169 and slugged 237 against his sinker with a 228 expected batting average and a 296 expected slugging. And as for his sweeper, not his slider, his sweeper, which is his secondary pitch, uh, opponents hit 149 with a 159 expected batting average on it, both in cores and away from cores. And it's they slugged 236 with a 258 expected slugging. And among the 55 pitchers with at least 50 plate appearances ending on a sweeper, which he had 163, uh, his run value ranked four, second with 14. Uh, he ranked tied for fifth in run value per 100 with 2.4, which means that for every 100 sweepers he threw, he was present, preventing about 2.4 runs. He was ninth in expected batting average at, like I mentioned, 149, 11th in slugging at 236, 10th in Woba at 214, 12th in strikeout rate with 38.7%, 4th in put-away percent with 30.4%, 8th in expected batting average with a 159, and 11th in expected slugging with a 258. So... Uh, you know, I don't really expect much out of the Rockies this year. I know it's a spoiler for our our uh, division like standings preview, but I think Justin Lawrence could make himself an interesting trade candidate because I think you know teams could see him as an elite reliever away from Coors Field. Uh, I think teams can uh, get a lot more out of him uh, permanently playing away from Coors, and the Rockies could get out of him 
uh, playing at cores. So that's my first Rockies player to watch. The second one I'll be a little more brief on is Hunter Goodman, who is uh, in the Fangraph starting lineup. And very interestingly, Zips has him with 542 plate appearances this year and slashing 257, 314, 484 for a 798 OPS. A uh, 484 uh, slugging percentage really caught my eye, so I decided to look into him a bit. Uh, he had 400 plate appearances in Double A last year, and he slashed 239, 325, 523 for a 126 weighted runs created plus. Uh, and in Double A, uh, Fangraphs had him with a 47.4% fly ball rate and a 49% pull rate. And in 77 plate appearances and 48 batted balls in the majors last year, he hit 29. He had a 29.2% fly ball rate. Um, he also hit 333 and slugged 944 in 20 plate appearances against four-seam fastballs with a 259 expected batting average and a 546 expected slugging. Uh, and his 6.1 run value per 100 against four-seamers was the second highest among all hitters with at least 10 plate appearances ending on them. So obviously a small sample size and take that as you will, but uh, you know he certainly made the most out of it uh, against fastballs in his you know cup of coffee in the bigs last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, Hunter Goodman and Justin Lawrence. Uh yeah, my player to watch uh is a guy he was supposed he was supposed to be my player to watch last year. Uh-huh. Um, because I, I think you know, we were we recorded on probably um I think it was like a Sunday or something because I was coming from um or it might have been Monday. Yeah, I think it was a Monday. And uh I think earlier, like maybe three or four days prior, I like I researched and I found this guy and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's interesting. And then a couple days later, I go back to his page and it's like, oh, he's out for four months this year uh, with an with a shoulder injury or something like that. But um, so, yeah, he was originally supposed to be my guy last year, but had to cancel. So he's my guy this year because he actually in a short time in the MLB last year kind of continued his weird legend. Um, I'm talking about Sean Bouchard. Uh, he's not listed on the um, Fangraphs projected roster right now. He's projected in in AAA. However, I definitely see him having some time um, in Colorado and hopefully some extended time. Uh, this guy is an outfielder who's heading into his age 28 season. Uh, he has 140 career plate appearances, but he's taking advantage of those 140. And he is slashing 304, 429, 563 for a 991 OPS and 161 OPS plus for his career. Um, his career average exit velocity is 90.2 miles per hour. Sweet spot rate is 44% and walk rate is 18% in those 140 career plate appearances and among hitters with 50 plus batted balls in the last two years his sweet spot ranks sixth and among hitters with 100 plus plate appearances over the last two years his ops ranks fourth walk rate ranks second and on base percentage ranks first um and yes of course i do know that those are very very low uh requirements for batted balls and plate appearances but that's just like the level we're talking about and and you know i don't think anyone on the planet thinks he's going to keep this up for a full season but uh it is interesting to look at and it looks like he could be um you know in in the 40 ish games he's he's shown to be successful at the plate um i think he could carry that over and maybe not be a you know not not have a 991 ops this year but even have like a an 850 ops or something like that so he's someone to look out for 
um, you know, maybe a maybe the next uh, main contributor of the Rockies lineup. But um, yeah, hasn't shown anything to uh, divert from that yet. Um, but you know, a 991 OPS would be uh, very hard to maintain. Uh, but yeah, now on to questions. Yeah, my question: the Rockies rotation right now. Uh, they made a couple additions this offseason, such as Cal Quantrill, uh, and who famously throws a sinker and doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, and also Dakota Hudson, uh, who is Dakota Hudson, um, to go along with guys like Kyle Freeland, to, guy, to go along with guys like Austin Gomber, Ryan Feltner. Um, will anyone in this rotation pitch at least 100 innings, or anyone on this team, rather, will anyone on this team pitch 100 innings and have an ERA below 5? Yeah, I was looking because I don't think anyone did this last year, right? Nope, they did not. <laughs> um, yeah, it's tough because I feel like Herman Marquez is always the favorite to do that, and mm-hmm. he did that a couple times. But I don't know if that faith is there anymore. I'm gonna. Well, say... he also didn't he also get Tommy John? Um, he must have because I feel like I I just haven't. Yeah, heard no, he did get Tommy John. Yeah, so. Yeah, I'll I'm going to I'm going to say the the trend keeps going. I think the you know, part of this also has to do with like um the state of the baseballs because it just keeps it seems to keep changing, but I I'm, I'm going to say it, it's it's going to be like 2023 with the baseballs. I think they found a good balance of of offense with those. Yeah. Um so uh so yeah, I I say no one gets an ERA uh, below 5 with 100 plus innings pitched. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah, I don't see Quantrill or Hudson doing it, so um, I, I say that trend stays the same. Uh, my question revolves around your 2023 uh, Rockies player to watch. Um, this would be hard to do. However, he would be the fourth Rocky to do it, uh, along with Dante Bichette, uh, uh, Ellis Burks, and Larry Walker. Will Nolan Jones get a 30-30 season? Ooh, 30-30. So last year he had, what, like high 20s, right? He had exactly 20 in both in 106 games. Yeah, uh, of course, you know, the 106 games is not due to, an, due to an injury, not due to underperformance. It was just because the Rockies needed to have Mike Moustakis on that team. Uh, I will never not be salty about that, man. But anyway, um, 30-30. Hmm. Uh, Fangraphs has him projected at 24 and 15. He did have a lot of, uh, you know, batted ball luck last year. Not that that really matters for homers, but he will be playing more games uh, at cores this year. Um, I don't know about the stolen bases. I, I'll, I'll say he gets the home runs, though. All right. I, I say he goes uh, 30 and 20. Something like that. Sounds, yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, it would be a hard feat because I think. Um, I think even on a 162 games, uh, like if you project those 106 games for 162, I think he would fall short there also. So I don't even know if he was on pace for that last year, given he, him playing 162 games, which is not, you know, not a usual thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, now on to the San Francisco Giants, a team who um, was for a little bit in the driver's seat of that number five seed. Um, but kind of had a rough end of the season and it ended up in the uh, departure of Gabe Kapler, their manager. So they've, you know, hired Bob Melvin and uh, are, are going in a new direction. They they got Bob Melvin, right? Or did I imagine that? Uh, the Giants did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, 
I I just wanted to make sure that I didn't <laughs> I didn't manifest that in my head. But they uh, the Giants last year went seventy nine and eighty three and finished fourth in the NL West. Uh, they lost Jock Peterson, Jacob Junis, Alex Wood, Sean Manaya, Anthony Descalfani, and Mitch Haniger, and they added Jung Hoo Lee from Korea as well as Robbie Ray and Jordan Hicks. Um, and I'll start with my player to watch here, um, who is probably maybe one of the main culprits of their offense, but kind of just um, not not really talked about too much. But you know, he he's a he's been a pretty good he, or he was a pretty good bat for them last year. And I'm talking about Lamont Wade Jr. Um, he is a first baseman heading into his age 30 season, and he's coming off a year in which he hit. 256 with a 790 OPS and a 119 OPS plus. Uh, he made some offensive improvement where from 2022 to 2023, his walk rate went from 10% to 15% and chase rate went from 24% to 18%. Uh, he had a 373 on base percentage, which ranked 13th in the MLB out of 133 qualifiers. Uh, also his 15% walk rate uh, which is pretty exceptional, ranked seventh of those 133. And along with his walk rate and chase rate, both being in the 96th percentile, his strikeout rate was 73rd percentile, whiff rate was 74th, and his expected WOBA was 86th. His, uh, he underperformed his, his expected metrics a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of red on that baseball savant page and ended up having a 119 OPS plus. So um, one of the you know, one of the guys who hasn't been talked about, but um, is is going to be a, a pretty good contributor for the Giants lineup. Um, who's your player to watch? So my player to watch was a pitcher uh, that had uh, some interesting uh, developments uh, last year. I'm talking about um, Keaton Wynn, who uh, pitched 40 innings for the Giants last year. And in those 40 innings, uh, he threw 55.4% splitters. Uh, that is the highest percent of any pitcher in the last year with uh, at least, or excuse me, the, the highest of any pitcher in the last year. No no limits, no minimum pitches thrown. Minimum one pitch thrown, he threw the highest percent of splitters. And also the seventh highest uh, out of the 716 seasons since 2008 with at least one splitter thrown and 500 total pitches thrown. Uh, so... He throws a splitter like kind of we've never seen before, uh, to a degree at least in volume. He is uh, the fifteenth. These fifty-nine point three percent ground ball rate was the fifteenth highest of the four hundred forty-five pitches with at least a hundred batted balls allowed. I accidentally wrote that in my script twice. Uh, his splitter has the most vertical movement above or above average uh, in the majors last year at four point one percent. Twenty-nine percent of his uh, pitches thrown total were splitters with at least 35 inches of downward movement and 13 inches of sidearm movement 20 again 29 percent of his total pitches thrown not just his splitters uh, and that rank was the second highest in baseball only to kevin gosman who also throws a lot of splitters and is kind of the face of splitters in terms of starting pitchers um 52.3% of his splitters had those combined metrics, the fifth highest rate among the 24 pitchers with at least 200 splitters thrown. And he had a whiff rate of 32.2% last year, a chase rate of 30.7%, and a walk rate of just 4.7%. So uh, Keaton Wynn definitely looked very interesting last year in his rookie season. I'm very curious to see what he can do uh, in a larger uh, workload. 
Yeah, yeah. Keaton Wynn. Um, see, so yeah, now on to questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start off with my question. And uh, this does involve a player who is, I think, starting the year on the IL, but this is a rated statistic, so it shouldn't affect the question that much. But okay. um, over the last two years, Logan Webb and Alex Cobb both have a 60% ground ball rate. Who will mm-hmm. have a higher ground ball rate this year? Um, so Logan Webb is very interesting in that he kind of changed his approach, uh, in the last few years, he was a sinker baller and that's how he got his ground balls. And now he throws his changeup primarily and he still gets a 60% ground ball rate. Alex Cobb has obviously remained very similar in that. Um, it's hard to say how much they're going to throw this year. Cause Logan Webb should throw 200 innings like he did last year. And Alex Cobb, you know, I don't know how long he'll be out as of right now, but he could throw like 40 innings like Keaton Wynn last year. Um, higher ground ball right, though. I'm going to go with Alex Cobb. I mean, he's been he's been that guy with ground balls over the last couple of years. Um, I think he's pretty underrated. I, I think one of us would have had him as a player to watch if he wasn't starting the year on the IL for sure. Um yeah, I'm going to go with, with Alex Cobb. My question, a uh, friend of the show, Sarah Langs, pointed this out recently. Uh, the Giants have not had a 30-home run season since 2004 Barry Bonds. They recently made the addition of Jorge Soler, who is projected by Zips to hit exactly 30 this year. So will Jorge Soler hit over or under 29.5 home runs? That's a, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, I mean, uh, do you... Do we remember how many he hit last year for Miami? I know he, he was out uh, no. for a amount of time. Please hold. Um, he hits. His baseball reference page isn't loading. He hit 36 in 580 plate appearances. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's definitely tough to, I mean, at least in the, at least directly to left field, it's tougher than most ballparks to get it out. Um, however, yeah, I mean, Jorge, Jorge Soler, like we've seen that power before, like his famous home run against uh, Luis Garcia in game six of the World Series. Um, and yeah, hitting 36 bombs last year is a, is a pretty big accomplishment. It's not like he was in a crazy hitters park either. Um, yeah, I'll I'll say, you know, he's, you know, always standing, he, he's, uh, he stays healthy, I yeah, I'll say I'll say he goes out and does it. Uh over over 29 and a half. Interesting. Okay. Um I'm going to see how many home runs he would have hit in San Fran last year cuz I am curious. Yeah, cuz um yeah, he one of the all 162 there. Yeah, one of the um interesting things like when we talked about Aaron Judge's free agency was like um I think you pointed it out he would have hit 61 in San Fran, so it's it's sometimes it isn't yeah. as Bad Depends on where you're hitting your home runs. He would have hit 32 in San Francisco last year. Yeah, if all were in San Francisco. So if you average that out, it would be like 34 if you played like 81 in San Fran. Mm-hmm. And then the rest in other ballparks. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll say he goes out and does it. Um, so yeah, now on to the Padres, who um, were one of the more disappointing teams in baseball, definitely record-wise. You know, they go uh, 82 and 80 and finish third in the NL West after you know, being projected as, uh, as the, you know, being the pretty much the division favorites, uh, despite the Dodgers pedigree, but, uh, Padres went 82 and 80 finished third in the NL West. Uh, they lost Juan Soto, Blake Snell, uh, 
probably Blake Snell. He's still on the free agent market, but the yeah. Padres are by no means a favorite to get him. They also lost Josh Hader, Seth Lugo, Michael Walker, Trent Grisham, Gary Sanchez, Nick Martinez, Luis Garcia, the reliever type, uh, Matt Carpenter, Garrett Cooper, Austin Nola, and Scott Barlow. Uh, in terms of additions, they added Michael King, Wandy Peralta, and Kyle Higashioka. Uh, who is your Padres player to watch? Yeah, they lost a lot of guys, didn't they? Yeah. Um, my one guy they didn't lose is uh, a guy who I think very quietly put up a, a pretty solid rookie season last year. And I mean, very quietly. Um, I'm talking about Tom Cosgrove, uh, a reliever that uh, had his age 27 season last year, but it was his first year in the big leagues. And in 51.1 innings pitched, he had a 175 ERA and a 370 FIP. But more impressively, a 267 expected ERA, which put him in the 98th percentile, uh, right between Devin Williams and Max Freed. So uh, he was legit in terms of batted ball data. Uh, and let me explain. Cosgrove had an expected, or excuse me, an average exit velocity allowed uh, on average of 83.9 miles per hour, which is the lowest among all qualifiers. He also had a 25.5% hard hit rate and a 24.8% sweet spot rate against 7.3% of his batted balls in total were hard hit and in the sweet spot. That is the lowest on the aforementioned list of 445 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls allowed last year. Uh, Tom Cosgrove had a 10.9% pop-up rate and a 32.1% fly ball rate, with the average exit velocity on his fly balls being 88.5 miles per hour. So that's, uh, what, 42%, of, 43% of his batted balls being either pop-ups or, on average, low-hit fly balls uh, in terms of exit velocity. Um, and that exit velocity on fly balls is the 15th lowest among the 438 pitchers with at least 25 fly balls allowed. 31.4% of his batted balls were fly balls, and pop-ups below the hard-hit threshold. That was the 10th highest rate on that same list of 445. Um, opponents hit 153 and slugged 265 against his slider, which was his primary pitch, with even better expected statistics. Uh, it had an average exit velocity against of 79.9 miles per hour, the lowest among the 154 hitter pitchers uh, with at least 50 batted balls against their slider. Uh, his four-seamer, which was his secondary pitch, also had an exit velocity against of 84.9 miles per hour, the 13th lowest among the 422 hitters with at least 25 batted balls against their four-seamer. So Tom Cosgrove, as a 27-year-old rookie, had some of the best batted ball data in terms of soft contact that we saw in the big leagues last year. And it'll be interesting to see if he can replicate this in his sophomore season. Yeah, Tom Cosgrove. Uh, love a good... Uh... Love good pop-up prints, and you know, mm -hmm. not necessarily he's not necessarily top of the threshold right now, but still very, very good at, at getting those pop-ups. Eleven percent last year. Um, my uh Padres player to watch. He he's probably one of the more higher-profile guys, but like we talk about all the losses they got, and and obviously they're uh you know, an, it, it's been a net negative offseason for the Padres. However, um, I should talk about. Their main addition in that Juan Soto trade, which is Michael King, um, and yeah, I think a lot of a lot of his success went a little bit quiet last year because his time as a starter was pretty much while the Yankees were out of the playoff race, or um, at least like always sort of at least a few games out of the wild card. Um, 
but he was kind of transitioned into a starter after a successful reliever run. And in his final eight starts of the year, he had a 188 ERA, 247 FIP, and 31% strikeout rate in 38 and a third innings pitch. And, uh, you know, that is not a lot of innings over, um, not a lot of innings over a lot of starts. However, his, his, um, Indians production continued to go up throughout each start. I think the Yankees were trying to ease him into it. Uh, but among 62 qualifiers in that span, King ranked seventh in ERA, fifth in FIP, eighth in strikeout rate, and sixth in strikeout minus walk rate. And then overall last year, throughout all of his innings, uh, hitters slugged 134 against his changeup. And out of 142 pitchers with 200 plus changeups thrown last year, his slugging against was second lowest on his changeup. Also, his 41% whiff rate on changeups ranked 13th out of 138. So yeah, Michael King obviously is not going to bring the same value as Juan Soto, but um, he does bring a certain amount of value to the Padres' rotation. And based on how he finished last year, he could be um, maybe even their best starter. Uh, but yeah, now on to questions. I question. Uh, for the San Diego Padres. So before 2023, before 2023, the Padres signed two of their impending free agents to extensions, and both of them kind of regressed last year. So who is more likely to return to 2023 form, Manny Machado or you, Darvish? Yeah, that is a that is a good. Or, excuse me, 20, 2022 form rather. Yeah. Right. 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 So, um. Yeah, that is an interesting question. And considering like I had one in the positional rankings and one not in the positional rankings, I had a lot more time to evaluate uh, Manny Machado. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to answer that. But um, in terms of like, I think Manny Machado could still end up having the more valuable and better season. But I think you Darvish is more likely to get near that um that status of like he's close to he I think he'll have closer to his 2022 wins above replacement than um Machado will I think Machado had like a seven win season in 2022 whereas Darvish might have been at like five or something like that depending on which website so I think Darvish will get closer to like five than Machado will get to like a seven so yeah I, I say um Darvish gets closer to 2022 form um, my question also re revolves around one of these players. Uh, you Darvish definitely uh, regressed last year, had a four five six ERA, but I think it was a three one zero the year before. Um, will he have over or under a three nine nine five ERA this year? Mm. Um, I mean, I think I like the defense behind him. Obviously, like you know, as much as we can talk about how much we love Juan Soto, like you know getting him out of the outfield is a defensive plus objectively i think putting hassan kim at shortstop is an objective plus um so you know what i mean i think you darvish can do enough to prevent the home run ball to where uh he's putting a lot of it on his defense and i think the defense will be good enough for him so i'll take the under all right yeah yeah sounds good sounds good um yeah also uh 382 expected era last year so yeah, I'm feeling good about our your you Darvish optimism here. Um, probably had a little bit of a little bit of bad batted ball luck against him, but um, yeah. So 
Now on to the Diamondbacks, you know, the the National League champion uh, Diamondbacks that we all expected coming yeah. into last year. Shout out to your 2020 uh, preseason prediction and then some. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, it was not uh, Mad Bum. It, unfortunately, it wasn't Gallon, Mad Bum, and, and uh, Luke Weaver leading the charge. And instead, it was... Uh, <laughs> It was Gallen, Kelly, and uh, and Brandon Fod instead, but uh, nonetheless, they I, I was three years early on on the take, but the Diamondbacks went eighty four and seventy eight and finished second in the NL West last year, but then went on to defeat the Brewers in the National League Wild Card round, uh, defeat the Dodgers in the NLDS, beat the Phillies in the NLCS, and then eventually lose to the losing the World Series to the Rangers. Uh, as far as additions and subtractions go, not too much on either side. They lost Evan Longoria and Tommy Pham. I be- believe both are free agents, so yeah, you know, they come back. But uh, so far, they are not on the. I yeah, I have a hard the... time believing they will resign either. Yeah, especially considering they just, got, the... they just got Randall Grichik, which is essentially a replacement for Pham. They got Suarez as a replacement for Longoria. Yeah, and as far as additions go. They added Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, and then, yes, Yo, Eugenio Suarez is probably the reason why they wouldn't get Evan Longoria, and then also Jock Peterson as well. Um, so, yeah, now, so with my uh, Diamondbacks player to watch, I am talking about one of those additions, um, probably the low, lowest profile of them. Um, I'm talking about uh, Jock Peterson. I thought you were going to say Randall Grichik. Oh, yeah. Who signed, who signed, like, yesterday. Outside of, uh, yeah, outside of... Um, Randall Gritchick, but, but yeah, Jock Peterson, who in uh, 425 plate appearances for San Francisco last year, um, in you know in those 425 plate appearances, his expected woba was in the 90th percentile. Um, you know it, it's an expected metric, but I'll get into why that matters a little bit. Uh, he did have a 764 OPS and 111 OPS plus. Uh, which is not necessarily spectacular, wouldn't necessarily match a 90th percentile expected Woba, but he was one of the unluckiest hitters in baseball last year. Out of 218 hitters to see 1,500-plus pitches last year, Peterson had the third unluckiest difference in Woba and expected Woba and second unluckiest difference in slugging and expected slugging. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, that's due to change a little bit. Maybe even the fact that he's changing ballparks might help a little bit. Uh, last year, he had an expected Woba, uh, average exit velocity, hard hit rate, and walk rate uh, that were all in the 91st percentile or higher. Uh, those are great numbers to have 91st percentile or higher uh, numbers in. And then along with that, had a high barrel rate. He, his 12% barrel rate was also 79th percentile. So in terms of uh, Jock Peterson, he's a guy who had a high walk rate, which led to a good on base percentage, uh, along with a uh, along with a good just barrel rate, putting the ball in the air, exit velocity as well. So he's someone who can get the ball out of the ballpark. He just unfortunately um, found a lot of gloves last year when a lot of the time that those batted balls wouldn't find gloves. So yeah, um, excited to see how that might might correct itself um, in Arizona. Who is your player to watch? Uh, so for my player to watch, I'm going with one of those like blindfold half court shot type of picks where 
it might it probably won't work but can you imagine the world if it did uh i'm going with a prospect by the name of jorge barosa uh, he is ranked by baseball america as the number 23 prospect in the diamondback system so not getting a whole lot of recognition definitely not a top 100 guy uh, but he is a five foot five 165 pound switch hitting outfielder with a 50 grade hit tool a 55 grade run tool and a 65 grade field tool uh baseball america says that he is a plus defender at all three outfield positions so there is a lot of versatility with with jorge barosa uh he spent his age 22 season in triple a reno and he had 502 plate appearances there. So he spent his full age 22 season in AAA. So, you know, for his age, he's he's moving through the minors pretty quickly. Um, he slashed 274, 394, 456 for an 850 OPS and a 110 weighted runs created plus. And if you're wondering why an 850 OPS uh, equates to a 110 weighted runs created plus, it's because the Pacific Coast League, which is the AAA league that he played in, had an 822 OPS league-wide last year. So he was playing in a high offensive environment. Among the four, 47 players in AAA with at least 500 plate appearances last year, Jorge Barroso ranked 10th in OBP with a 394, 5th in walk rate with a 15.9, 8th in strikeout rate with a 16.3%, and a 6th in walk-to-strikeout ratio at 0.98. So he walked almost as much as he struck out. Uh, his 110 weighted runs created plus also ranked 16th on that list of 47. And he was also one of four players ages 22 or younger to accumulate 500-plus plate appearances in AAA. The other three were Brian Rocchio and John, John Kensey Noel, and Ronnie Mauricio. The first two are in the Guardians organization. The last one, of course, Mauricio in the Mets organization. Two of those three have been top 100 prospects in the past. All three have gotten a lot more recognition than Jorge Barosa. Um, so I think, you know, if they find a spot for him, I don't know how much playing time he's going to get because they do kind of have a log jam in the outfield there with Carroll, with Thomas, with Gurriel, with Grichik. But if they find a place for him, I feel like he can be a pretty good role player for the Diamondbacks defensively on the bases and maybe even as a high contact bat. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that is interesting. And also like that seems based on the description you're giving seems very much like a Diamondbacks player. Uh, right. It does. Now. I was going to say, it sounds a lot like uh, talking about Steven Kwan before the 2022 season. Right, right, right. And the only and, difference is that this guy's a switch hitter and Kwan was a much better prospect. Yeah, yeah, and like, uh, yes, yeah, seems like that. And if you want to relate to someone on the Diamondbacks, maybe like Alec Thomas, maybe mm -hmm. not as good defense, but like similar molds. Um, yeah, but also this guy sounds like he might be a better offensive player. Um, so yeah, now on to questions. Um, mine's not really too in depth, but it, I just found that these two guys had a similar wins above replacement last year. Uh, one of them, uh, kind of came back out of the dark and one of them has been pretty consistent over the last two years who will have the better season Cattell Marte or Christian Walker yeah interesting uh so we better season that's very subjective are you talking by f4 by b war by vibes like what are we we'll, we'll just say f4 okay we'll just say f4 so uh I mean Cattell Marte I feel like is definitely a little more built for f4 because Defense is going to weigh Christian Walker down by being at first base a lot more, I'd say. Um, so I will go with Cattell Marte. I feel like uh, he 
has a lot more upside on offense. You know, I feel like Christian Walker has kind of hit his like 90th percentile type of limit on offense the last few years. Um, but I feel like Cattell could still show us something else. So I'm going to go with Cattell Marte. Right, 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 um, right. For my question, who will take the larger step forward, the offensive duo or the position player duo of Gabriel Moreno and Alec Thomas or the pitching duo of Brandon Fodd and Ryan Nelson? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, Moreno and Thomas are both like heading into their age 24 season or something like that, right? Yes. Um, And that's uh, those Fodd and who else? Nelson. Brian, yeah, Ryan Nelson. Um, yeah, that is a, yeah, that, that's an interesting question. I'll go with, um, I'll go with Moreno and Thomas just cause I feel like generally across the league, yeah. um, position players find tend to find their footing quicker than pitchers do. Um, that, and also I feel like t- both of them are like top 10 prospects at one point. Right. They definitely yeah. had higher expectations than Fod and Nelson. And Moreno just kind of made some waves last year and like made the, um made that Varsho, made that Varsho trade like look very good along with Guriel's performance so I'll uh I'll, I'll, yeah I'll go with Moreno and, and Thomas yeah um so yeah now on to the team that was defeated by the Diamondbacks in the NLDS the Los Angeles Dodgers who they took that personally yeah I don't know I don't know if you all have heard but they they did some things in the offseason um Overall, last year, they went 162, won the National League West, and then lost to the Diamondbacks in the NLDS. Uh, as far as subtractions, uh, they lost J.D. Martinez, Ryan Pepio, Caleb Ferguson, David Peralta, Ahmed Rosario, Kike Hernandez, and Yancy Almonte. Um, only two real significant ones on that one are, are Martinez and Pepio. And in terms of additions, they have really gone out and made a splash. They added Shohei Otani, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glass now, Teoscar Hernandez, and James Paxton. Um, who is your Dodgers player to watch? It's it's hard to find an under the radar guy on this roster. It is. These are these are always the hardest teams to do because we try to keep it, you know, we try to keep it to names that you aren't obvious, and there are just too many obvious names on this team. Uh, but I'm going with a pitcher that I believe uh threw in that uh, definitely threw in that Diamondback series. I believe he uh relieved Clayton Kershaw in that game uh in game one against the Diamondbacks. I'm talking about Emmett Sheehan, who uh pitched uh 60 innings for the Dodgers last year in his age 23 rookie season. And you know there's certainly room for improvement, but well, I'm gonna talk about the things he did well last year. Uh in his 60 and a third innings pitched uh, opponents had a once 186 expected batting average against him, which ranked him in the 98th percentile. Uh, this is because much like Tom Cosgrove to a lesser degree, uh, he is a soft contact and fly ball uh, king. Uh, he had 26.8% of his batted balls allowed have a launch angle of 40 degrees or higher. Uh, anything above 40 degrees will almost never be a home run unless it's like Crawford boxes or green monster, like the very corner of it. Uh, there are 42 of such batted balls against Emmett Sheehan and opponents went 0 for 42. Um, he had a 38.2% fly ball rate, which was tied for the third highest among the 314 pitchers with at least 150 batted balls against and uh, 400 and excuse me, 400, 46.7% of his fly balls were hit straight away. 
Uh, that is the fourth highest rate among the 231 pitchers with at least 50 fly balls against. So a lot of fly balls, a lot of straightaway. 17.8% of his batted balls against were fly balls to center field. That was the highest on that list of 314 pitchers with at least 150 batted balls against. Um, obviously, when you hit a fly ball to center, it has the lowest chance of being a home run and the highest chance of being an out because it's the furthest part of the field. And Emmett Sheehan did a really good job of getting opponents to do that last year. So that's something that he can build off of. Obviously, the Dodgers, you know, there's definitely a lot less pressure on him with guys like Yamamoto and Glass now coming in with even Paxton coming in. You know, he was kind of asked to play a much larger role last year. I think he'll be asked to play a smaller role this year. And these are some things that he can already go off of. Yeah. Um, yeah, shout out to him. Um, my uh, player to watch is a guy who pitched zero innings last year, and he's not a position player. He also had zero plate appearances. Um, but uh, yeah, a guy who um, has never... A played... guy who pitched zero innings last year. I'm talking about Mookie Betts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, a guy who's not played for the Dodgers yet, but they acquired him, I believe, in a trade. Um, and someone uh, you've been a fan of uh, before, I believe, but I'm talking about J.P. Fireisen. Um, who's projected to be in their bullpen this year. Uh, he had a brief career with the Brewers, got traded. He was um, part of the Willie Adamas trade uh, and got sent over to Tampa Bay in that. pretty was pretty successful, but ended up having to get surgery and missed all of 2023. You mean to um, tell me a raise pitcher needed to get surgery? Yeah, I mean, that is, <laughs> that, that is that that blows my mind personally. <laughs> Um, but in 2022 in 24 and a third innings pitch, he did not allow an earned run. That's pretty crazy. He, he also had a one, six, seven fit, uh, among all pitchers with 20 plus innings pitch in 2022. He had the lowest ERA obviously. And the third lowest fit, uh, he also had a 23% sweet spot rate against and an 11% line drive rate against, uh, along with around, I believe a 29% strikeout rate. Uh, so, you know, in a, in, on a team where it's hard to find under the radar guys, I think this is one guy to look at. Um, he's because he hasn't pitched a uh, significant time in a while. Um, he could be forgotten about, but this is a guy who we could see like, Oh wow. The Dodgers really snagged this guy. Like, Oh, how did, how did 29 other teams let, let the Dodgers get this guy. But um, you know, if he comes back healthy and, and strong, he could easily be one of the best relievers in the Dodgers bullpen. Um, who, uh, or yeah, on, on to questions. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of hype, obviously, around Yoshinobu Yamamoto coming over to the Dodgers. He already signed the highest pitcher contract ever at $325 million. Uh, And this feels like a pretty baseline accomplishment almost for the amount of hype he's gotten. But will Yoshinobu Yamamoto receive... Over or under 29 and a half first place votes for rookie of the year. Ooh, ooh. So he's already the favorite. Um yes. He's already don't forget the... both both rookie of the years last year were unanimous. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's not a completely outlandish thing. It is not a completely outlandish thing. And also thinking about like the competition there, I feel like there isn't that much as opposed to the AL who has Jackson like... Chorio, uh Jackson Chorio. There's Jack. There's the Jackson Chorio guy. There is Jackson Chorio. There is Jackson Chorio. 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, as, a, as for, yeah, it's not like the AL that has like holiday, Evan Carter, Wyatt Langford, like guys who games you know, maybe, are, but probably not Cruz maybe, but probably not. Um, yeah, as far as, yeah, it, it, I feel like the lack of competition Yamamoto has does lean me in that direction. However, just thinking about probability, I'm going to say under, um, but I mean, it's not going to surprise me at all if he takes it unanimously. It's just like, okay, what's the probability he wins? What's the probability he wins it that overwhelmingly? I feel like it's below 50%. So I'll, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the under on that. Um, My question regards the three biggest stars of the Dodgers. Um, Who will have the highest OPS among Shohei Otani, Mm. Freddie Freeman, and Mookie Betts? Yeah, uh, Shohei had the highest last year. Uh, I believe, right? But they were all within like less than 100 points of each other. And you have to consider that Shohei is going to be, uh, you know, pitching with a or hitting with a, a weak elbow. Um, I'm still going to say Shohei. He had a 180 weighted runs created plus last year in a 184 OPS plus. So you can't go against that in any circumstance. Yeah. 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 He's a, he's, he's a, he's a pretty good baseball over there. He's all right. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that'll do it for our second divisional breakdown. Yes. We got the NL East next week, finishing off the national league. Yep. Yep. If you missed last week, we did the NL central, um, go, go make sure to check that out after the, uh, Stephen shock interview and, uh, and yeah, so yeah, we'll, we'll get into the NL East next week and then move on to the, uh, to the American league. Um, I forget what it's their nickname is because the national league is the senior circuit junior circuit uh yeah yeah i think we yeah i think we might have had this conversation before on here yeah the band bands barnstorming baseball club yes (laughs) yes for sure um shout out ban johnson shout out ban johnson what a guy what 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 a guy one of the reasons i mean my you know i mean if we're talking about people to highlight instead of players to highlight like ban johnson (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone talks about, you know, oh, like Abner Doubleday, you know, the guy, uh, Al Spaulding. Nah, dude, Ban Johnson was where it was at, though. You know, no no disrespect to the other guys, obviously. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, the NL was, was getting, the National League was was getting cocky about them being the best team, best league in in baseball, and Ban Johnson was over here like, "Hey, you know let's what? Make, let's make some competition." You know, you know what? The YouTube channel Epic Rap Battles of History. Yes, we we should get we should get an Al Spalding versus Ban Johnson uh, rap battle. That yes, we should we should be doing that. <laughs> um, the, the inventors of the American and National Leagues, respectively. Yeah. <laughs> um. I just remember, I, I think back to our conversation uh, at the All-Star game last year about how the AL has been so dominant, being like Al Spalding is rolling in his grave, yeah, seeing what's what has happened yeah. to his, his once great league. Yeah. Uh, it's... No, but but Al made a comeback this year. He did, through, through Elias Diaz. He, through Elias Diaz. He, he, brought that, he brought that power back. Um, but away from... Ben Johnson and Al Spalding. We do have the ARR top fifty, the the inaugural ARR top yeah. fifty. First time we've ever done this. First time we've ever did positional rankings. So, um, 
you know, we probably won't go as in depth as the positional rankings. We'll talk about these players, but um, if you want to get a better full depth analysis, I, you know, everyone that we're talking about in the ARR top 50 is probably someone that we've already talked about in the positional rankings. So 48 curious... out of my 50. And <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I, I would assume it's the same for you as well. Yeah. 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 So um, if you want to look at a, a detailed analysis of all that, we have a full playlist of all our positional rankings, except if you're listening before um, the 21st, I think only nine of them are up. We'll get the, we'll get the 10th one out. Oh. Um, we'll get the 10th one out, I think on Tuesday, but uh, yeah, look at that playlist for the in-depth analysis, but um, all those full episodes are already out. So we already have the full anas- analysis out there. Um, so yeah. Um, you want to start out with your, with your 50th best player in baseball for 2024. Sure. So uh Coming in at number 50 on the current 50 is a guy that we mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Xander Bogarts. I, I put him uh, as my number seven shortstop in the league. Um, he's, you know, obviously you might look at last year as a down year offensively, uh, but he still looked very good at defense uh, at a, you know, a premium defensive position. And obviously um, he'll be maybe, maybe moving to second will make him better at defense. Maybe it'll make him worse. I don't really know, but you know, he's still been a very consistent hitter. You know, he hit 285 and had a 350 OBP in a down year. Uh, and, you know, he could have been like the first year under a contract thing. Uh, I feel like there's definitely a lot room of room for him to uh, improve on last season. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't think we need to go too deep into these. But yeah, he's my number 50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, as uh, <clears throat> as we've prefaced in the positional rankings you know these are projections for 2024 this is what we think they're going to do in 2024 um and uh and yeah so we may use a little bit of underlying numbers or just forecasting or just going off the vibes but um my number 50 is uh <clears throat> andres jimenez of the cleveland guardians second baseman um I'm, I'm just optimistic about his upside uh in a down year he put up you know, last year was a down year pretty much on all fronts except defense and base running. And um, they're just like he was a below average hitter, which I don't expect to happen again. And he put up 3.6 F4 despite that. Um, overall, over the last two years, he ranks 24th in F4. And he's also only heading into his age 25 season. So he's bound to sort of improve. And I foresee him being an above average bat with great defense and good base running, uh, which is enough for top 50. I mean, the, yeah, the guy has won, uh, I think, multiple gold gloves or at least a gold glove last year. So, um, and so, yeah, if he's an above average bat with that good of base running, I foresee him being a top 50 player. Um, who is your number 49? Yeah, my number 49, another San Diego Padre. I'm talking about Manny Machado. He was my number six third baseman. Um, he's still a very good defender, one of the best in the league, like I mentioned. Um, he did have some offensive regression last year. His OPS dropped over 100 points. Um, but I could see him returning to being a low to mid eights OPS guy with elite defense. Um, and if he does that, you know, I mean, I think the Padres will be certainly a lot better off. You know, I think a lot of people are writing them off right now because of the the three big guys they lost. But if we see resurgences from guys like Bogarts and Machado, um, you know, we need to start looking at them as a playoff team again. And I think Manny Machado at age 31 is more than capable of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my number 49 is, uh, Sonny Gray. And I've, I've talked plenty in 
plenty about uh, Sonny Gray, so I won't bore everyone once again. But yeah, he was my number nine starting pitcher and my Cardinals player to watch. Um, you know, I'm not saying that he's going to be a bona fide ace this year, but I think he should be a very reliable starter with an ERA, probably in maybe the low to mid threes over a qualifying amount of innings. So, um, so yeah, I mean, that's why I have him as number nine, number 49 here. Um, but yeah, I mean, over the last uh, year and a half, he's been arguably at, on a rate basis, like a top three pitcher in terms of FIP and ERA. Um, that's where he ranks out of pitchers with like 200 innings since the start of the second half in 2022. Um, I don't see him being at that level, but I see him being um, a top 50 player in baseball. Uh, what is your number 48? Yeah, my number 48, another big name, three kind of big names, guys that uh, either have big contracts or are going to have big contracts. Uh, my number 48 is Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets. Um, he obviously did have some batted ball misfortune last year, but uh, it was his worst year offensively. Uh, his defense continued to uh, take a bit of a hit at first base, which is a bit natural, but he also had his highest strikeout rate uh, since the 2020 season and his first and a full season since 2019. Um you know, I still think he's capable of doing a lot of great things in his contract year, and I think that bad ball luck will go a little more in his fortune this year. Uh, but yeah, for now, I have him at my 48. Right, right. Um, My number 48, Uh, we just talked about a little bit. Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, my number eight uh, starting pitcher. I think there's just a lot of directions you can go talking about Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I think based on him getting $325 million, we've already seen how the league values him. Um, and, you know, if we're going based off that, you know, he, he could be a top 20 player, but um, in terms of, so that that's what brings his value up for me is like the league already values him as a $27 million a year uh, pitcher without him ever playing in the MLB. Uh, I'm just going to have to see him uh, perform to that contract to put him in the, in that elite uh, category. And I'm sure he's very capable of doing that. Yeah, so at my number 47, right above Pete Alonso, I, I accidentally ended up kind of going with a, a classic Chris Gianta trope. I'm putting uh, Nico Horner in my 47. He was my number, uh, where would I put him on my second base board? I put him at number four uh, for my second baseman. Uh, he is an elite base runner and an elite fielder, one of the best at his position and one of the best in the league at both, while also being a league average bat. Um, and that's really all he has to do for me to put him as a top 50 player is be a league average bat. And I think he's more than capable of doing it and maybe even building on it uh, going forward. Um, so, yeah, I have uh, Nico Horner in my 47 spot. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a very good, very good baseball player. Um, and it is kind of funny to have Horner and uh, Alonzo yep. back, back. They're kind of back. They're kind of uh, opposite. Um, my number 47 uh, is. uh is going to be uh, catching baseballs for my number 48. I'm talking about Will Smith, the catcher, not the reliever uh, for the Rangers, but um, Will Smith, uh, is he's a quality hitter as a catcher while being neutral defensively or yeah, new, neutral. I wrote in my notes, neutral defensively on defense. That's my mistake. Um, he's will be neutral defensively and on the bases, uh, which has its own value. And, among all players uh, in F4 over the last two years, pitchers and position players involved, he is 45th in F4. So I think being 40, 47th uh, on this list makes a good bit of sense. Uh, who's your number 46? 
Uh, so for my number 46, I put Max Freed. I put him as my number 10 pitcher, which does mean that all 10 of my pitchers, my starting pitchers uh, from that list made it to the current 50. Um, Freed, I'm sure there'll be a lot of discrepancy between you and me because you had him at your one. I had him at my 10 for injury reasons. Um, and yeah, on a rate basis, 2023 was his best season. Um, I don't know if it's going to remain that way for over the course of 180 innings though, but, uh, it certainly could, but I mean, you know, even with just 77 innings pitched last year and how good the starting pitcher market was last year, uh, you have to make room for this guy, whether you want to or not, because yeah, I mean, he is a, a very open pitch arsenal with a lot of different things and a lot of different things that work. He's become much more of a ground ball guy, which I obviously love. He's giving up weak contact. He's striking guys out. He's not walking guys. Uh, and yeah, I put him at my number 46. Yep. Yep. My number 46 um, is another guy we've, we've talked about previously in this, in this episode talking about Ha Song Kim. Um, I'm encouraged by his consistent improvement um, uh, from the past two years offensively, like pretty much all, you know, a lot of the important offensive statistics have just, kept going up since he's gotten in the league. Um, and then along with that last year, who was an MVP vote getter and he was a gold glover last year with 38 stolen bases. Um, so yeah, he's just an overall really good player. And I expect that to continue uh, going forward. Yeah. Uh, so now in my number 45, I have Tyler glass. Now he was my number nine starting pitcher right above Max Freed on both lists. And uh, MLB had him a lot lower on their list. I'm trying to find where exactly they put Tyler Glass now. Uh, but they definitely did not have, have him at 46 um, or anywhere near that, to be honest. They had him uh, at number 74. So, uh, you know, I'm definitely higher on Tyler Glass now than they are. I think he, it, under the guise of throwing 180 innings a year, he has the stuff to be like a top five pitcher in the game, maybe even better. Um, obviously, we've only seen him throw 120 innings once, and that was last year, but he looked awesome while doing it. And I think uh, with his, you know, he became a ground ball guy, even with a four-seam fastball, uh, you know, being thrown a lot last year. He has good off-speed stuff. Obviously, his curveball has been talked about uh, a lot. And uh, if he can do it over 180, he's, you know, I think 45 will be a great place to have looked at him. And maybe I could even say, man, I could have put him even better than that, actually. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and Tyler Glass now just left the Rays. My number 45 is a player on the Rays right now. Talking about Yandy Diaz. Um, pretty much a top 10 hitter in the game over the last two years. Has a 151 OPS plus uh since 2022, which is pretty tremendous. Um, you know, what brings him down, obviously, everyone knows is that defense and base running. It's it brings him down so much that it it has to bring him to uh, 45 for me but still i mean such a tremendous hitter gotta put him in the list here um you know and and when we get to your spot for yandy diaz i'm sure you'll be able to go into it a little bit more um who's your number 44 yeah my number 44 i'm going with my third straight starting pitcher in a row here going with logan webb um a guy that we mentioned earlier in one of our questions a 62.7 percent ground ball rate last year a 3.6 percent walk rate uh, very few people have better command of the strike zone than Logan Webb. Um, he does get hit quite a bit, but in terms of exit velocity, but you know, his changeup has been really excellent over the last couple of years. It's overtaken his sinker as his primary pitch and the results have kind of stayed the same, right? Uh, you know, a 
almost a negative uh, average launch angle. Um, very good extension off the mound, despite only being six foot one. I say only because that's probably below the average pitcher height. Uh, but yeah, I have Logan Webb in my 44 spot. Yeah, my number 44 is on the opposite end of the battery, uh, just generally speaking. He is William Contreras of the Milwaukee I thought Brewers. you were going to say Patrick Bailey. Yeah, I was going to no, like, whoa. I phrased that a little bit weird. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, William Contreras of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, what I'll say about William Contreras is if he repeats on a five-win season, you know, like he had last year, got to mark him down for top 30, 30 next year. Um, and what he would have to do to repeat a five-win season is uh, keep up that defensive su- success and increase his line drive and fly ball rates for, you know, more offensive consistency. I'm sure that all those numbers might, you know, taper off a little bit and he might get luck might be less on his side this year because he's been a little lucky over the past two years offensively. Um, that's why I don't have him as, uh, that's why I don't have him too high. Um, but I still have him at 44 because he had a really, really good season last year. And, you know, if he keeps that up, then I have to, I have to put him higher. Um, who is your number 43? At number 43, this guy definitely just kept surprising me uh, with his batted ball profile and his overall uh, abilities on the baseball field. Brandon Nimmo uh, from the Mets, you know, he still has been very good at offense. You know, he had a uh, a 363 OBP, still has a 380 career OBP, um, still isn't chasing, uh, still is walking a lot, and also has some power to go with it. You know, an 80th percentile walk rate and an 87th percentile exit velocity um, is not the most common uh, you know, two things to to share as well as chase rate. You know, I'm sure not a lot of players are top 20% in average exit velocity, chase rate, and walk rate because uh, those those traits aren't always mutually exclusive. I mean, chase rate and walk rate, I guess, can be. But um, Brandon Nimmo still does a good job of that. He's still a pretty good defender. Um, and yeah, I put him in my number 43. Yeah, Brandon Nimmo, very good baseball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number 43 is. Uh, very much a legacy guy, but um, I have trusted him to be, you know, the 43rd best player in baseball to that exact metric. But I'm talking about Paul Goldschmidt. Um, you know, he's uh, he was ranked slightly above Yandy Diaz in my first base uh, in my first base breakdown. Um, what uh, what I'll say about Paul Goldschmidt is all his uh, surface level numbers went down last year. And I think that's why a lot of people can be down on him, especially as a guy going into his age 36 season. But I am inspired by his uh, increases in average exit velocity, barrel rate, sweet spot rate, and walk rate. Like, you know, I don't think he'll be at 2022 level by any means because that was a very lucky season, um, you know, batted ball wise. But uh, when you're when you're increasing your exit velocity, you know, when you're hitting the ball harder, you're hitting hard hit um, balls in the air more and you're hitting more line drives and fly balls and you're walking more that usually lines up for offense offensive success so i see that uh continuing uh and i see him potentially putting up somewhere between like a four and five win season this year um so yeah that's what i got for paul for uh, paul goldschmidt yeah so in my number 42 i have paul goldschmidt's replacement a guy that i briefly touched on earlier christian walker um, the best defensive first baseman in the game outside of Carlos Santana, but we don't need to talk about that. Definitely the most consistent defensive first baseman in the game over the last few years. Uh, and while doing it, he also had an 830 OPS last year. He's been an above average bat for the Diamondbacks. Um, he's a pretty good base runner as well in terms of his decision making. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I have him in my 42. Yeah, my number 42 is another Diamondback. You're talking about Zach Gallon. Um, he has had a consistently good strikeout minus walk rate, also through 210 innings last year, which is pretty amazing. Like having a workhorse like that in your rotation uh, is really, really good. Um, he did have pretty bad batted ball numbers last year, but they seemed somewhat uncharacteristic. I'd be surprised if that average exit velocity is above 91 miles per hour again. And if it is, then, then yeah, I'll have to, if it is, then I imagine that ERA will rise um, like it, you know, like it uh, should probably rise considering he was a little bit lucky on the expected ERA front last year, but um, but yeah, considering that strikeout minus walk rate and his innings production, um, I got him at number 42. Who do you have as your number 41? Finally, I'm at number 41. I'm talking about Bo Bichette. In terms of batted ball metrics, you're not going to find many better pure hitters in the league. I mean, a 312 expected batting average with also an expected slugging over five, uh, though that's pretty tough to do. He hits the ball in the sweet spot a lot. You've talked about... His skill is going to the opposite field. He's one of the most efficient opposite field hitters in the league. Um, he doesn't walk a whole lot, and his defense isn't great for the second base position. Uh, but obviously, he makes up for it with everything else that he does uh, with the bat. So I put Bobachet at my number 41. Yeah, my number 41 is a different shortstop. Uh, talking about Trey Turner, um, you know, he had a great. Uh, final two months of the regular season but despite those great two months um, I'm discouraged by a consistent drop in hitting production over the last two years which is why I have him um, you know outside the top 40 you know this is definitely like last year we were talking about him potentially being a top 10 or top 5 player um, this year I, I have him at 41 um, and yeah that's because his offense production is kind of consistently dropped uh, from 2021 to 2023. His OPS plus has gone from 145 to 124 to 111. And his strikeout rate has gone from 17% to 19% to 22%. Um, that being said, he is still one of the best base runners in the game and had a, uh, had 3.8 F4 in a down year. So, you know, I expect that F4 to go up. I expect, you know, but somewhere between a four and five win season, like I do most of these player players here. Um, so yeah, Trey Turner rounds out uh this group here. Of should we should we go through our 50 to 41 again? Yeah, let's go through the 50 through 41. All right. I believe, by the way, I believe there's not a single shared player between the two of us at any position. Yeah, that surprised me. Yeah. That surprised me as well. Normally we agree on all this stuff, but yeah, a lot of and I will say, like a lot of your guys were either near misses for me or are like pretty are in my 31 to 40. Right. Yeah. So, I have a lot of guys know, in the 31 through 40 here. Yeah. Uh so from so for mine I got Xander Bogarts in the 50, Manny Machado in the 49, Pete Alonso in the 48, Nico Horner in the 47, Max Fried in the 46, Tyler Glasnow in the 45, Logan Webb in the 44, Brandon Nimmo in the 43, Christian Walker in the 42, and Bobichet in the 41. Right. My um my number fifty is Andres Jimenez, uh forty-nine Sunny Gray, forty-eight Yoshinobu Yamamoto, forty-seven Will Smith, forty-six Hassan Kim, forty-five Yandi Diaz, uh forty-four William Contreras, forty-three Paul Goldschmidt, forty-two Zach Gallen, and forty-one Trey Turner. Um, who are some of your uh real near misses for the top fifty? 
Yeah, I mean, I obviously considered a lot of guys for this. I will tell you right now, my 51 was Cal Raleigh. Um, I really wanted to find some room for him in there, but unfortunately, I just couldn't. My 52 was Ha Sung Kim. So uh, in the grand scheme of things, we were we really weren't that far off on him. We were only like 10, 10 or so spots away. Um, yes. But I did consider, Thanks. I mean, I think Sonny Gray and Zach Gallen were like among my 11 and 12 starters. Um, I I closely considered guys... Uh, you know, guys, maybe Carlos Correa, I did consider because he was the first shortstop on my list to not make it. Um, I did consider Hassan Kim, like I mentioned, Cal Raleigh, like I mentioned. Um, William Contreras, I just need to see like a better ground ball right before I can, or a better, uh, well, yeah, a better ground ball right before I can be there in terms of lower. Um, yeah, I did consider a lot of starters that uh, didn't even make my top 10 because, yeah, all 10 of my starters made it. Right, right, right. Um, so, yeah, two two catchers for you on the on the top 50 um so uh yeah my my first guy off the list for me was uh Bo Bichette um oh, wow. I, I considered him a good amount um so we was, were 10 spots away yeah yeah so not, um, not too crazy yeah Trey Turner was my first guy mentioned on the list and he was number mm-hmm. six Bo Bichette was number seven for the shortstops um and then my other close misses were Ozzy Albies uh, Jonah Heim, Nolan Arenado, and uh, Christian Walker. Um, and then guys who I think would be in a lot of people's top 50s, but not mine, would be... Cody Bellinger? Uh, maybe Cody Bellinger, but uh, also, like, Luis Arise is not going to be in my top 50. He's not in mine either. Uh, Pete Alonzo is not in my top 50. He's your number 48. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we're pretty similar on him because I easily could have left him off as well. Yeah, and then... um. Oh, wait, who's who's the other guy I was thinking of? Um who might be uh, Carlos Correa, maybe? Oh uh Blake Snell. Blake Snell. Oh, Blake Snell. Yeah, yeah, not in the top fifty after winning the Cy Young. Same. Um, I feel I feel like he'd be in, in a lot of top fifty lists, but um probably not ours. Yeah, I mean we kind of agree on all those then. I mean, like Pete Alonso is in my top fifty, but he's very fringe. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah, Louis Surprise, I can tell you right now, is not in my top fifty. He was my number nine second baseman. So, like um, MLB Network had Alonzo in the low thirties. Like again, like they always, they yeah. always rank him way too high. <laughs> yeah. Um. I. I want to. I want to go back and find this out. I'm. I'm sure that they haven't revealed their twenty through one yet. Right. But they've gotten everywhere else. I already um, saw that they have Lindor's number twenty-five, which, um, oof. which seems a little bit low. I was gonna say I don't want to spoil my list, but I definitely have him above twenty-five. Yeah, I was I was very disappointed in that. They had Cal Raleigh in the nineties. They had they had uh, Blake Snell at thirty. Yeah, they had Blake Snell at thirty. Um, Nolan Arnato with thirty-three. Yeah, yeah, that that's pretty wild. Like you know, I know. I had him ranked higher than you and and he was still outside my top 50 after his yeah. unfortunate year last year. Uh I don't know if you have hit this guy or not, but I think Randy Arozarena at 40 is very interesting. Oh yeah, no, he's he's not he's not in this list. Okay, I didn't he's not in mine. I didn't think he was in yours, but I didn't want to accidentally reveal your exact spot basically. Um another yeah. interesting thing, do you did you put a single reliever in here? No. Okay, good. Neither did I. They have Cody Bellinger at the 51. Uh, actually, they also had Sonny Gray in the 49, so you guys were identical on that. 
Yeah, we we we've been pretty uh, cordial about Sonny Gray. He, they had him as 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 the number ten. They had uh, another another one. They had JT Real Muto at the forty six. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you have him or not. No, I don't. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Luis Arise in the Luis Arise in the forty three. Yeah, yeah. They had Pete Alonso thirty seven, which isn't as bad as I initially thought, but yeah. Um, but yeah, like. I the last time in the 74, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, they had Yamamoto at 61, which I don't know. I don't think I can go crazy about their, their Yamamoto rankings. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard. One that I'm sure we will both have be in similarities on. We we didn't have this guy in a very similar place in our positional rankings, but I'm sure we'll both have Dansby Swanson much better than 67. Oh, my God. They had yeah. 67. Yeah. Oh, man. What does a yeah. guy got to do? I mean, like, you know, you had him as your number two shortstop. Is that correct? Or did you have him as your three? Your three. Your three yeah. I had him as my four. Yeah, I had him as my four. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll have our differences in our individual list, but I feel like we'll both agree that he's much better than 67. Yeah, my they had goodness. Brandon, they also had Brandon Nimmo in the 70. Yeah, and I've, I've complained about the MLB Network list before, but I think generally, like, a lot of their stuff is, like, they'll go – they tend to go legacy guys a lot, and yeah. sometimes maybe it Ooh, seems like a popularity they had, contest. They had a Hassan Kim in the '88. Yeah, like that is rough. Like having like so Hassan Kim and and you know Pete Alonso. They also had uh, they also had William Contreras in the '81. Uh, which is definitely was, a lot different from you. Was that? Is that William Contreras? So they had Wilson in the '82 and William in the '81. They put them back to back. Which is such a gimmick. Like, <laughs> there's a, there are a, well, first of all, if you look at the rankings, they go very, uh, they line people up positionally. Like, first of all, they put Ellie De La Cruz in the 100, which I think was a gimmick. Yeah. Like, they had to, they had to put him in there. Uh, they had Nathaniel Lowe, Tristan Casas, and Josh Naylor all back to back to back as first basemen. They had Moreno and Raleigh back to back as catchers. Uh, they had Cease, Avaldi, and Montgomery back to back to back as pitchers. Uh, Nolan Jones and Anthony Santander back to back as right fielders. Uh, the Contreras brothers back to back, obviously as catchers. Um, they had a lot of that. Uh, like if you like, their their eighty through seventy one is right handed pitcher, third base, third base, right field, right field, right handed pitcher, right handed pitcher, right handed pitcher, left field, left field, left field, shortstop, 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 second base, second base, left hander, right hander, right hander, right hander. That was their eighty through sixty one. Yeah, it definitely seems like a glitch in the system. It's like our list randomizer with the uh, division, um, with the divisions they chose. Um, but with the um, what I'll say about with the thing with the LA De La Cruz um, ranking, like I will say, I do instantly want to crap on that. But I did crap on um, Bobby Witt Jr. being in the list last year, and he ended up having a complete breakout campaign. Yeah. So yeah. who knows? Maybe maybe he, he's more than capable of being a top 100 player in 2024. Yes, however, but it, there's a it, but you know there are some very clear things he needs to improve on. It's it's jumping the gun a little bit, and we do know why. If he was a a if his season was the opposite, where he struggled early and then looked awesome from like like the last week of like the last few weeks of September on, then like then I'd be all in because that's what O'Neill Cruz did in 2022. Yeah, or if he just didn't look really cool playing baseball, he would yeah. be top 100. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's a coolness ranking, he's like top 25. Yes. A, and that, and even that might be conservative. Yeah, exactly. 
exactly so so yeah um yeah it's it i like that we're doing these lists this year it's yeah. it's fun to do because i think you know as we <laughs> as we talked about um M- mlb network does tend to screw this up sometimes yeah. um despite they haven't being, uh we haven't seen where it. they put jeremy pena yet so he might be a 20 yeah <laughs> who could forget who could forget um but yeah um so yeah, that that's the that's that's the start of the ARR top fifty. Yeah, the current and Gianta fifties. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. Um, you know, fun fun stuff happening today. Uh, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Check out all the playlists on the YouTube channel. We've got the Above Replacement Radio positional rankings. We got uh, Hall of Fame bubble case breakdowns. We got guest interviews. Most recently added the Stephen Shock interview uh, with, you know, D1Baseball.com's Stephen Shock, um, as well as a UVA uh, baseball alum and and one of the more entertaining guys in the world of college baseball. Uh, So go check all that out on the YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio. Follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter, Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we will be previewing the national league East as well as ranking the 40th through 31st best players in baseball. We will see you then. This conversation, this conversation is over. Is over.